private training, day training and group classes. While Colleen works with all ages and breeds, she has chosen to specialise in training puppies. She has done training and group classes for Seattle Puppy Works and the Seattle Humane Society. She is a mother of two children and a boxer mix rescue and resides in Redmond, Washington, which is part of the greater Seattle area. Okay. Hi, Colleen. So thanks for joining us. Uh, so it's this evening here and it's this afternoon where you are? It is. It's so a where, warm where, afternoon. Where are you just now? Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. No, it's my pleasure. So where are you? I'm in the greater Seattle area, to be okay. exact, Redmond, Washington. Nice. And what's it like there just now? Sorry, say that again? What's it like there? Oh, uh, you mean as far as the, yeah, the environment in the training world? Um, it is, we have a huge dog culture here. Um, there are more dogs in this um, area, in the greater Seattle area, than there are children. Wow. So it is a massive dog culture here. Um, and so we have not only before COVID hit, did we not have a massive population, but our shelters, um, breeders have, I mean, everyone's gone out and adopted dogs and puppies during this time. Okay. So it is, we, it really has exponentially even gone up. So I don't know what the latest, latest statistics are, but yeah, it's, it's increased. For so. dog ownership. Owner, yeah, dog ownership, exactly. So, which is a great thing to hear that people have, you know, gone out and adopted animals um, during this time. Um, I have heard that some people are have not been able to get a dog from a shelter because they've been cleaned out, so they've gone oh. to breeders, right? Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's good. It's great. It's just how um, how. Is, is it going to last? Is it yeah. going to actually, are we going to have um, pets that are relinquished, dogs that are relinquished due to um, having to change homes or situations or um, financial situations and then also behavioral issues that are yeah. going to arise from this? So, because when, I mean, we met three years ago, wasn't it? When I yeah. was out? And um, the the leashes, it was, um, so the company that makes the Wonder Walker, uh, yes. Dads is Christopher's um, uh, or Paul's um, company. And the, those leashes that we use, he was saying that, um, and this is where it struck me as, as, so it's an eight foot leash, which you can adjust. And he was saying that it's so that you can, it's, it's so long, so you can sling it over your shoulder and carry two coffee cups with your dog at the same time, <laughs> which I thought was really cool. It is. You see all the, the coffee um, kiosks at the dog parks and people carrying them around while they're at the dog park and yeah, walking around. Yes. Huge dog and coffee culture here. Yes. Starbucks was founded in Seattle, wasn't it? It is. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then we have, you know, the crappy weather that makes you want to drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about crappy weather. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not far off it's not uh, far off you get a summer we don't <laughs> I, be, I, I blame everything on the weather here if anyone's being grumpy if they're too introverted if they're right treating their dog badly it's yeah. all 
all blamed on the weather. When I was there uh, in 2017, and um, I think after, I can't remember how many people had mentioned it to me, but I think it'd been a record of how many days of consecutive rain that you'd had. And it was something like 200 or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it, and after I'd heard it, like, and after the, like the dozenth time, and I, I then said, nobody's mentioned that since I've been here. <laughs> 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 we had 200 days of consecutive rain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it can be. It absolutely can be. And for a San Diego girl, right? California yeah. girl, it's it can be tough. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So we're going to talk about um, COVID dogs and COVID puppies today. Yeah. 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 It's, it's job security for me, right? But at the dog's expense. Um, and it has been really tough to see, um, particularly separation anxiety and just lack of socialization. Okay. Um, dogs painfully afraid of everything. And what, what and do you think has caused that? Well, I think that I think that owners, you know, so when I ask them, are you are you socializing your dog? And I always I always the next sentence is, and I don't mean just with other dogs, because a lot of people have this conception, right? That that just means like socializing with other dogs. Um, so I rephrase it and say, what are you exposing your dog to? What, right? The exposure. Um, and often it's like, well, we, we haven't left the house or we're just walking in the neighborhood. And, um, but he, you know, greets other dogs in the neighborhood and he seems just fine. Or um, we try to take different routes in the neighborhood when we're walking. And most of these people are, are living in suburbia most of them yeah so um it's really getting across to them that that is is not a, that's not enough it just isn't um and puppy play um we do have places that are open and that you're able to do that um so i encourage that's one of the one of the first things that i do encourage them to do um within that first five months is get in there and and play have the puppy play with other puppies um and fortunately one of the places that i recommend is a more of a city dwelling so i said it's kind of a, a double right socialization you've got you're taking the puppy to play with other puppies but you also have um you know buses and homeless people and all the other noises, right, that are that are coming from that, and um, so yeah, it's it's lack of knowledge to, yeah. to your answer. It's a lack of knowledge of what socialization actually means. So we've got for this socialization that it's quite a um, specific concept within dog training, but when when um, and without being kind of snobbish about it when the lay person hears socialization, they think about us socializing, you know, mm -hmm. so, but that's not what socialization is. No. It's this, this period. And so they used to call it critical, but then it's now sensitive because we can still make some ground on it. So can you explain what, what that is a little bit, that socialization period? 
Yeah, so it's so important that there be positive experiences. So we're talking about sights, sounds, experiences, textures, smells, all of it, right? The world, all of the sensory, think of all those sensories. Um, and it needs to be um, a positive, because it is critical, it needs to be a positive association. So doing it um, gradually, doing it, um, you know, watching the dog and and being an advocate for the dog that if something we're not we're not forcing this dog and that's the other mistake that people will make because they're trying to hurry it along and so they'll force the dog to experience something that it's not ready to experience and now you really got a bad association with it so um Anyway, it's that very critical time of having them have a positive experience with all of the, the worlds, the sights, sounds, experiences, textures of the world um, that is so critical. So they are, these puppies are experiencing this and it's, a it's like a library going into their head. They're filing, okay, I've seen you know, the man with the funny red hat on. I've seen the old person with the walker. I've seen... I've experienced um, the big city bus. I've right, so there. It's this filing that's going on that we want that exposure, so that when they do come across it in the world, it isn't a, a hugely frightening experience and not a reactive experience or um, having a negative reaction to it. Right. So um, it's, it's so crucial in that time period. Um, and not that it's not beyond five months that, that exposure isn't, but that exposure in particular in that first five months and with playing with other puppies is so important because they learn from each other. So um, often you get, I, I you know, I'll often say is the dog playing with other puppies and they'll say, Oh, it plays with the neighborhood dog. That's a year old or, um, you know, the, the seven month old dog across the street or, um, and I have to really clarify that it is puppies. We're talking, you know, good five months and younger that they need to be playing with. So, um, all of that, encompassing right is so important so there's there's a couple of things there that i remember the, the way i, I kind of try and explain to clients is so I, I grew up in a big big town um outside glasgow so it was about eighty-five thousand people so not small you know um and then glasgow is a fairly um busy city and i think we're the third biggest or the fourth biggest in the uk but it's only I, mean, I think Greater Glasgow is 800,000 or something like that. Um, but I remember about 15 years ago, uh, I went to New York and I stayed in a hotel just off Times Square over the weekend. And um, so despite the fact that I'd been in cities before, I'd been to New York before several times, I've been to London and, uh, and, I, and I've been around, like I worked in a city um, here. Being in that hugely dense population, that had all those sights, smells, sounds, movement, and it, it was sensory overload. It was like, so that, that was me as an adult in my, my 30s, 
you know, and, and being overwhelmed by that, um, despite all that experience that I've had. And I, I would last about 15 minutes before I was like, game over, I'm going back to my hotel, I'll go for a walk in quieter streets. But there was like, you'd see cops or the, the tourist information people, you know, um, or street vendors who just took it all in their stride because they'd become socialized or habituated to those things. Habituated to it, yes. Yeah, I had a similar experience moving from San Diego to Los Angeles, right? It was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we think of San Diego as being quite a, a decent sized city, but it's not LA. No, it's not. Yeah. Not compared to yeah, Los Angeles. And so. then if, we, if we've got that, we take that same notion and we put it in a dog that has been on the planet for eight weeks. Right. You know. Yes. So give them a break. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have to do it in very small doses. We have to do it in, in a way that is comfortable for the dog. And, um, you know, I just had a, a client, um, uh, the dog is four and a half months old and, um, she's one of these clients that's just sort of been walking it in the neighborhood and the dog, they got it, um, I want to say at about three months old. Um, and she, the dog came with a temperament that we don't know, right? We don't know if something happened to cause it to be super fearful or if it's, its temperament was like that to begin with, right? We have no idea. There's a period there about a month that we don't know. And she thinks that dogs must walk. Yeah. So she's out dragging the dog around the neighborhood, literally yeah. pulling this dog and forcing it to walk through the neighborhood. And I had to very kindly say, you, you have to stop that, right? The dog is not ready. It's not ready for this. Um, and just because you, maybe you go have a walk, if that's what you want to do, leave the dog, have a play with it in the backyard. And um, so, yeah, we have to, all dogs don't need or have to walk, especially if they're super fearful. We need, we can't force them to do this. Um, so, what would be yeah. some of the signs there that you're seeing that the, the dog is scared or overwhelmed? What would we see in their behavior? Well, a lot of them will just freeze. Yeah. They'll just stop, right? And, um, it's interesting because she says, well, you know, if I, I, if it's usually just in the neighborhood that this is happening, if I put the dog in a car and I drive it to a trail, right. Mm -hmm. And we walk on the trail, um, or in another neighborhood, it's not happening. And, um, I had to explain to her that the, Yes, the dog realizes that it's in a foreign place. It's probably so scared that it's not going to leave your side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where it is actually having a voice in your own neighborhood to say, hey, the house is back there. I know we're going in the opposite direction of it. I'd like to go that way. Yeah. So, you know, the dog pulling you back to the house is a clear sign. I'm not ready. I don't want to do this. Um, and that can be, that can be, sometimes that's the only sign. There's not yeah. lots of other overt signals that the dog's frightened. 
like right. shoulders back, head down, tail down, yeah. shivering. They don't. Some very often they don't even appear. Right, and it, and then the the, the client. Oh, will mistake the dog owner will mistaken it for stubbornness absolutely yeah. you know um he's just so stubborn you know it's ridiculous he's a dog why doesn't he want to walk and um so yes it it, it it's very it's it's misconceptions of what you know how you're supposed to take a dog and especially one that might have a temperament of being fearful um, and how you're supposed to expose it to the world and letting it have a say yeah. in how that's done. Yeah. So I see it with, so, you, I mean, you, you know, the kind of some of the story with, with my dog, Logan, but when my neighborhood, it's all, it's, it's blocks of flats or apartment buildings. And there's some times that he just goes somewhere and, and just says, I don't want to go that way. Yeah. And I think that it's, so the, the best I can, there's a couple of, there's a, a dog that um, uh, shouts, sits, the dog sits in the balcony when it's nice days and a dog shouts at him as he, as he walks past and it upsets him, you know, and it does because he starts barking back and then looks at me and becomes kind of frantic and stuff. And some days on a sunny day, he will not walk down that way because he's clearly made an association. The dog's likely to be out when the weather's nice and not likely to be out when they're not. Yeah. You know, and then there's other times where, I mean, it took me long enough to come in some days that he just would not walk in my, the gate at the back of my building. You know, he just, and I don't know what it was. The only thing I can think of it, it was a smell that he's, that he's not, like, or as he's got a memory of or a bad association. And I just took my time with him and said, that's fine. You know, um, and a couple of times my son was out walking with him one day and took him out for the toilet. And he had to call me and he says, he's not moving. And, um, and that's fine. And I just went down and, and he's big. I mean, he's 34 kilos, which is about 70 pounds or something. Like this. And I just picked him up and carried him into the building. And then he walked up the stairs on his own. But he's recognizing he's having a hard time. Yes. <laughs> you know? So yes. help him out. Yes. Well, and also there are dogs, just like people, that just want to stop and watch something and observe it, right? They just, they see something, they're not necessarily afraid. They're just wanting to take it in and observe it, right? And just scan everything that's happening. And, you know, maybe wait till it passes and then they're okay to move on. But, you know, we have to, th we, we really do have to think about each individual dog, you know? And maybe, maybe there's, there's some dogs that just like to stop a lot and take it in, right? Rather yeah. than just hurrying along. Um, yeah. We always assume that it's a dog. It just wants to pull, <laughs> pull us forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes we're the ones having to actually stop when we don't want to and let the dog, whether it's smelling something, investigating, or just watching it, observing it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So you're at a cafe. What type of drink do you order at a coffee shop? What do you take? At a coffee shop, my new my new obsession is matcha green tea lattes. I'm not a big so I am sacrilegious here in Seattle. I am not a coffee drinker. <laughs> so everything's everyone thinks I'm very weird and strange. I don't drink I, either. 
I don't drink it. I have a, a nice big smoothie, a shake in the morning. That's my coffee. But I do like matcha green tea lattes. And in the summer, I get an iced one. It's really lovely and it's healthier. And anyway. There was, um, I'd met a friend of mine a few years ago at, at, at Starbucks. And, um, and I'm not a massive fan of Starbucks. I don't drink coffee and their tea's rubbish. Um, but the, the water machine was out. So they only had the ability to steam milk. So he bought me a chai latte, which is what you're talking about. And I was yeah, yeah. like, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an abomination. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. If you could go back in time, what one thing would you tell your teenage self? Oh, for God's sakes, relax. Don't overthink everything. And, and uh, yeah, be, be more... Be more interested in who you are and being more true to yourself than worrying about what others think. So I saw a, a really nice, um, and it was Brene Brown, we were talking about her just before we started recording, and she was saying there's a massive difference between belonging and fitting in. Yeah. So. Uh, massive, yes. Yeah. 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 So yes, not doing things to, to fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Right. So over with COVID, we've seen lots of that stuff didn't happen with the dogs. Um, and so because people are at home more, the dogs are with them all the time and we'll, we'll not talk about separation issues. And it's just, it's, it's far too big a topic. Um, yeah, I agree. Now. Um, and you need professional help with it anyway, yeah. if it's going on with your dog. So, You've got these dogs that are that are fearful and um, because they've missed that sensitive period and they're now five, six, seven months old. So what kind of things do we do in order to to help those those dogs? Well, we have to do a little bit of backtracking and um, you know, we have to we have to have now we have things that are scary and we have to make them unscary. And so Typically, you know, most, most dogs are very food motivated and, and, you know, highly reinforcing and rewarding them through any type of experience at a comfortable level. You know, again, we're taking into account the comfortable, how comfortable is the dog with this experience or thing or sight or sound. And um, so it's that, right? It's exposing they're going to have to go through life and we need to start to build a positive association with these things as much as we can. Um, it's also choosing things and setting them up for success, right? So you're not going to take the dog to the, and not that you would right now, because there isn't any outdoor or outdoor concerts, but you're not going to take the dog to the outdoor concert if, if, Everything gets lifted tomorrow. You're not going to bring your very shy, fearful dog um, to the outdoor concert, right? Um, and then the other part of this is also um, is realizing that maybe, right, you have to have some, depending on the degree, but you have to have some sort of acceptance to the fact that your dog is never going to be the dog that rushes in and is, right, yeah. the life of the party. And so having that acceptance and then making choices yeah. based on that. Um, 
and then doing as much as you can to reverse any bad associations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we, we see it here. I mean, where do your, if your if dogs are coming in from um, other countries, um, and this we're trying to do this without sounding hideously xenophobic. <laughs> so um, so where, what, what countries do you get your dogs come, get, being imported from for rescue? So it's Costa Rica's one, isn't it? Costa Rica, Mexico um, are two probably of the bigger, yeah. Um, we do have, you know, a few rescues that, that rescue the Korean from okay. the Korean, yeah, dog, um, farms and they come over. I've had some experiences with rehabilitating some of those. And then, um, we, we get a lot here in Washington from, uh, just in the States from Georgia, Texas. Okay. Um, yeah. Places like that. We get it here. The, the, the kind of main, the three main ones here are Spanish dogs, um, separate dogs, and Romanian. So th those are the three, the main yeah. ones that we seem to see. And it's very similar. What you were just saying there is, you're, you're, it's. There's a good chance that these dogs will never be those social butterflies that that people right. want. And people, and they're they're well intentioned. And I'm I'm not criticising anybody, but we bring in a dog that's been on been on the street in Romania or has been born in a shelter in Romania, stayed with 50 other dogs in an open compound for six months, had a traumatic experience coming across here in the back of a van. Mm -hmm. And then people want to take the dog to the pub or to the yeah. coffee shop or to the yeah. a restaurant, you know, yeah. within six weeks. And you're like, it's maybe not even going to be happening within five years. Oh, exactly. You know? yeah. and just accepting that that's the dog you've got. And, you know, it is. We can make that dog as robust as we can within their capability, but that might still not fit with what we want as dog ownership. Right, right. And so it's accepting, yeah, it's accepting that and having the patience to uh, to deal with it, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Delicately. Yeah. And you learn a lot about yourselves living with these dogs. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, we've talked about um, some of the solutions and stuff like this. So if people are, depending on what happens with the pandemic over the next X amount of months, because that's what it'll be, it'll be six months, 12, 18, could be two or three, four years before we're back to some semblance of something. Um, if people are getting, there's a good chance we'll get locked down again, you know, there's a good mm -hmm. chance that that will happen. So if people are buying puppies um, and we are uh, in lockdown um, and they're, they're, they're buying a puppy during that time, what are kind of things that they should be aware of in order to prevent some of these problems? Well, I always say, I, I realize like you don't want to go out recklessly um, exposing, you know, A, for the puppy's sake and for your sake because of COVID, right? Um, you don't want to go out recklessly, but you can, I mean, bring your dog, you know, if you've got to go pick up some things for your home project, everyone's doing home projects right now because they're stuck at home. Um, you know, take your puppy to the, the Home Depot, the Lowe's, the, the place that you're going to pick up your supplies, take your puppy, you can put it in the cart, you can put it in a carrier, 
you can you can ex have it have this experience bring your high value treats and pick quiet a quiet time not a super busy time when you go and pick aisles to go down that aren't riddled with right all the craziness and expose have it have the opportunity to expose your puppy um they're just i don't i personally don't see there being excuses yeah of, and and granted we don't have outdoor concerts and we don't have you know cafes littered with people but we do have opportunities to get you know you can still go sit around a park where a playground where there are children playing and running and screaming and all of that's going on, right? Um, they don't have to interact one-on-one -on -one with the children. It's just that exposure, right? So I honestly, yes, you have to make a little bit more effort yeah. and you have to get out of the house and you have to, um, you know, for the people who are saying, well, we're just not leaving the house, so there's no uh, opportunity for a long time for the dog. And I say, well, you know, you could choose to have a walk without the dog. The dog doesn't need to be on every single walk that you go on. Have the dog in the crate for a half an hour with a really nice chew, a really nice bone, while you go on a walk for a half an hour yeah. um, with your family. So... There are lots of opportunities. You have to schedule them in. You have to make them happen. They're not, we're not in a lifestyle right now where they're not forced upon us. We're not just automatically leaving for work. We're not automatically leaving to go have dinners at friends' houses or having people over, right? So getting out and finding places where you can safely um, expose your dog it has to be scheduled in yeah yeah you have to put it on your calendar yeah. right and, so and on you go sorry yeah I, I like to say you know six new things a day for a puppy okay and that could be a new person that could be a new puppy that could be a new sound experience so six is totally doable yeah. um, you can make it happen there's I mean, I was thinking about it that when I'm working with, with clients and I'm always trying to always, always, always look into future-proof stuff, you know, so mm -hmm. say to them, we need to do this now or it's going to be a problem in six weeks, six months, a year's mm -hmm. time if we don't get it done. And it'll be a much bigger problem because, it, you know, the dog will like at least have that practice, you know, um, yeah. of doing that stuff. Um, so even if the worst came to the worst, because I was thinking of it just as you were talking there. So um, Italy was, I mean, their, their lockdown was, was extreme. You know, they weren't, they weren't, they had to get the food deliveries to their, uh, their, their houses, their homes. Um, yeah. But we've got, if somebody was getting a puppy and, and that happened, that they turn around and say, you can't leave your house at all. Right. So then well, we've still got options. Well, I, you can get a no, an app with noises on it and you can sit there and play the app of the thunder, the whatever it is on the noise app. At least that's something, right? You can have some exposure, you know, through technology simulating these things, right? Like 
experiences. Um, so yes, I get it. That is quite extreme. You wouldn't be able to leave your house, but you can, you can make an obstacle course in your home, right? Go in your garage and get some things that can, you can make a platform the dog has to walk on. You can get something wobbly. Maybe the dog has to try and put its paws on something that's crinkly makes noise or right. You can start to simulate an obstacle course in your home or in your garage or yard that might be replicating what's out in the world, right? And the, the minimum that that's going to do anyway is that you're going to have... Um, so I, I remember reading, and, I, and I, I can, I'll stand to be corrected on this if somebody wants to, you know, is listening to this and, and wants to, to contribute wherever they hear it. If we've got... Um, so a child who plays sport is... is when people say it's good for their confidence, I think there's this automatic assumption it's because that they get to win something, but it's not really about that. It's the fact that their body moves and they can work out my behavior, move stuff, it works. I can balance. I can fall, sure. I can get back up and it's not the end of the world because I've had that experience of falling over and that being kind of sore, that, you know, that was, that hurt, but ah, it's okay, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and these little... Um, kind of small, considered, um, thoughtful, and I'm cautious of using the word adverse experiences, but experiences mm -hmm. which, are, which are, you know, kind of mildly unpleasant. It means yeah. um, you go, yeah, that's okay. That's all right. You know, I watched today at the park, there was a little boy, he was there with his, his mum, and he was maybe 14 or 18 months old. And when he fell over, uh, he, he was walking and he fell over and he just, he rolled Right, he basically yeah. bounced, bounced on the ground, right? Yeah, and absolutely. Went, oh, you know, and it's because he's been given that opportunity and his body's yeah. designed for it. His body's designed yeah. to be bouncy. You know? Absolutely. You know? So the more that we get these experiences in with being creative, I've got a puppy just now I'm working with and we're teaching him to, one of the first things that we did was we've got a little box which was maybe three inches tall um, and wide enough and long enough for him to lie on. And all I did was ask him, can you climb up on that and then climb back down? Yeah. You know? So being creative with, you know, putting a shallow box and putting a dog's dinner in it and yeah. getting him to work out. And that creates all that um, good brain development, you know, that yeah. good neuroplasticity that he starts going and you're building a robust being. Yes, you know? that's it. You're, you're, you're building some grit. Yeah. And the dog to be able to have experiences through the world that might take them off a little bit, but they recover quickly, right? Yeah. So, and that is that to your point, when we're talking about particularly shy, temperamented dogs or fear for dogs, we want to build their confidence, right? Yeah. So having them work out a puzzle and having, you know, poking two holes in a box and with some kibble in it or some treats and having them figure out how to get it out. Yeah. Right. They may have to shred the thing, but it's an activity. It's something. And they are building this experience with this new texture, this thing. And what do I have to do to get this food out? And yeah, the obstacle course, falling over, getting back up. I mean, anything that can build their confidence, yeah. right? So that when they do go out into the world, they are a bit more willing to handle it.
Yeah. There was a couple of points there because even during that, you could have, I mean, I, I think everything is on YouTube. Everything. Yes. You know, yes. you put on a, a cityscape on YouTube and you have that just grumbling on in the background. And then the next day it'll be the ocean. And then the next day a, a, yeah. a construction site, you yeah. know, um, and the dog is building. They're just, it, it's all neurology, just new neural connections over and over and over again. And just, you reminded me there that there's a, a really great movie called The Edge, I think. It's from the 90s and it's got Alec Baldwin and... I think I remember, yes. So Anthony Hopkins plays, he's a self-made man. So he's supposed to be like a tycoon, like, you know, Vanderbilt or Rockefeller type. And um, Alec Baldwin is a photographer. Um, and they crash in Alaska. And what happens is that Anthony Hopkins is older, you know, and he's smaller. And then Alec Baldwin and all his magnificence in the 90s is this big, handsome, physically capable guy. But he falls apart. And the reason why he falls apart is because he's never been challenged in his life. Yeah. You know, whereas the Anthony Hopkins character has, he's, he's, he's got this amazing life now. You know, he's rich and he's got a beautiful wife and he's got all the toys. But he didn't have that from when he was 16. And he built yeah. that and put through adversity in order to get that, you know. Yes. Um, it's, it's similar. Those things are just having these little experiences. Right. Oh, so important. So important. Yeah. With humans and dogs. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. What's the best advice you've ever received? That's probably going to be similar to what you would go back and tell your teenage self. Or is it? <laughs> you know, I think one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten, and it's taken me a while to learn it, um, I've gotten it several times throughout my lifetime, but actually, I think I actually am a good, I practice it very well now, is you don't have to, and what's that saying? You can't, the, the stair, is it, was it Martin Luther King that said you take the stair one step? Oh God, I'm going to butcher it. Anyway, you don't need to, you don't need to figure it all out, yeah. right? Uh -huh. You take it one step at a time. Because if you're looking at the whole staircase on how I'm going to get up there, right, um, you can get overwhelmed and then it inhibits you from actually taking the steps forward that you need to take. Yeah. So I take things very, I live presently, so I take them in bite-sized pieces yeah. rather than trying to look at the whole big picture, which we, as humans, we are all big yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're we are faulted at that for sure well, and i like to apply that to training too yeah. when i talk to clients you yeah. know don't look at how the end result of this perfect dog that you think you want just every day work at it a little bit a little bit a little bit and you will be surprised right if you do if you dedicate every day to some sort of training you will be surprised at what a well-behaved dog that you have and how adjusted they will be. What can I do today? Yeah, what can I do today? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. That's lovely. Um, what book has made the biggest impact in your life? Um, I will say there's a lot. There's so many. It's hard to, to say just one. Um, Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth 
going to write that down. It applies. Yeah, it applies to really what I just, what we were talking about, but living presently. Okay. Um, yeah, huge, huge. I read it when I was, um, I transitioned, you know, I lived in the UK in London for eight years. I transitioned back and got divorced at the same time simultaneously, which was horrendous. <laughs> and that book, um, that book just spoke to me and grounded me. So when anyone asked me that question, because it was such a transitional period in my life and that book got me through it. So I always, I always think of that one. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's probably why you can understand me. I was thinking about that when we were talking there and when the passion talking, when you start speeding up. Yeah. As you've lived in the UK, you've got a better chance to understand me. Yeah, and I've watched the movie Snatch probably 150 times. So <laughs> I don't think I understood a word that anyone said in that movie <laughs> when I first watched it, but I've gotten better. <laughs> it's, um, I've got cousins in New Jersey, and they um, they went to see Train Spotted when it first came out, and um, he told me they had subtitles. <laughs> the hell? <laughs> Can't understand you, people. And then the other thing that he said, he told it, he took his friends to go and see, and he said it was a film about Scotland. I said, it's not about Scotland, it's about heroin addiction. It's not about Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. What is a BAM pot or a BAM? A BAM pot or a BAM? I have no idea. <laughs> so it's a Scottish word. Yeah, I don't know. A BAM you have to call somebody a BAM pot. A BAM pot. Is it a bit like a wanker? And <laughs> <laughs> right. now I'm going to have to. <laughs> right. <laughs> so <laughs> the, now I have to put the explicit thing on this because I forgot to swear. So. You can't say that. <laughs> and that's funny because. Uh, when you come to America, when you when you go to the states, they will say that word not because they just think it's a funny word, and you're like, right. like don't it's so innocent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, it is not like saying that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who's a bampot is um, like he's maybe a little bit unhinged or he's a bit violent. Okay. You know, so a head case, you know, but like he's stay away from him. He's a bam, you know. Yeah. Got it. All right. Okay. So you're going to try and say "hod your wished" the same way as I say it. So "hod," but hod. my accent. "Hod." "Hod." "Yeah." "Yeah." Well, that's not bad. "Wished." "Wished." I say it all together. "Hod your wished." "Hod your wished." That's okay. That's not too bad. <laughs> not too misses out fire. It's bad. What do you think it means? Uh, get your head together. <laughs> it means be quiet. Oh. So hold Somewhere. your wished. Wished. Shh, shh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hold your wished. Okay. Right. Last. Last two. Um. What do you say to people when they push back against positive reinforcement training? Um, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, stereotype here, but it's usually, it's usually the male part of the couple, yeah. right? 
So I'm meeting with husband and wife and it's usually the male. Um, and what I say is that it, adversive methods work. They work if, you know, if you want a quick fix, if you want, they, they actually work, but at the expense of what? Yeah. At the expense of the relationship, at the expense of using a device um, that you don't want to rely on. And it's, wouldn't you rather be training a dog for long-term yeah. for a, your relationship and your training techniques and, and having them be really solidified and instilled and have it. So I actually, to be honest, I use a bit of a, an analogy or a metaphor um, with the, the husband and wife. And it usually goes something like this, you know, if you wanted your, if your wife wanted you to wish, wash the dishes every evening and she just shocked you or clubbed you over the head every time you didn't you know, would you eventually do them, you know, and, and, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, but would you feel very close to her? Would you feel very, um, you know, would you maybe start to resent her? Would you just the breakdown of the communication about it? Um, you know, what would your, your relationship would probably suffer. And, um, and then I use the reverse, right? If she kind of loved on you every time the dish got closer to the, the sink and that she was giving you positive feedback about when you were actually, and then bam, you're doing the dishes and you know, you had a really hot night that night of lovemaking, you know, would you do the dishes more often? <laughs> so anyway, I always get a laugh out of it. It breaks up. I, I I go into the science about it too, you know, that it is actually, it's, you know, human proven yeah. and dog proven that if we focus on what the dog is getting right and we teach it what to do instead of what we don't want it to do, then that, that what we don't want it to do sort of starts to go away. Right. If we really, yeah. so I give them many examples and, um, I just went him over with my charm. <laughs> okay, right. Finish the sentence. Dog training is. Dog training is a spiritual relationship. Nice. That's lovely. Because it's a, it's a direct mirror to you. So uh, how are you interacting with that dog? What kind of relationship do you have with that dog? How are you inspiring that dog to do what you want it to do? Um, or how are, you, how are you speaking to that dog that is relevant to them, right? So that is a direct, that is, that's a direct um, reflection of who you are. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Perfect. 
Wonderful. So this has been great. I really enjoyed it. So um, thanks for your time. Yeah, I do too. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. So massive thanks for listening today. If you're at all interested in learning more about dog training, I have several online courses available. If you go to glasgowdogtraineronline.thinkific.com, that's glasgowdogtraineronline.thinkific.com. There's a number of uh, training courses there which are both standalone courses and membership courses. The dog training and behaviour modification course is £15 per month and for that you get 10 new lessons every month on a rolling contract, kind of like Netflix. If you're interested in that course, if you use the discount code INTRO, I-N-T-R-O 20, INTRO 20 and 20 is a 2-0, so that's I-N-T-R-O 2-0. At the checkout, you'll get 20% off for the first three years.